When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey all, welcome to Soap from the Box. It's the last week, week 15. I cannot believe it. We have a very special episode for you. The other one, this one is very special as well, but the other one is with a national TV treasure. This one is someone I've just recently watched in It's a Sin. He's a lovely guy, so enjoy this. Okay, my next guest won Soap Villain of the Year at the 2009 British Soap Awards, plays a major role in the amazing Russell T Davis drama It's a Sin, and is described by his agent as having a warm and sincere voice with natural gravitas. Please welcome Nathan Sussex. Hello, Nathan. Well, hello. I know, there's the voice, you see. There's the voice. Um, oh. I, I have to say, actually, I come from Sussex, so I feel like this affiliation with you anyway, with the surname. Oh, what a connection. What a connection, I know. And we've never met, but I already feel like we know each other just speaking quickly. But this is why I t- just texted you a couple of tongue twisters to give me your best voice over voice. So it is, to begin to toboggan, first buy a toboggan, but don't buy too big a toboggan. Too big a toboggan is too big a toboggan to buy to begin to toboggan. So yeah, give me right. that your, best, I... uh, your best, what was it? Your best uh, warm and sincere voice with natural gravitas. I'll give it my best shot. Right, okay, yeah, here I mean, we go. listening to give you jobs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here it is. To begin to toboggan, first buy a toboggan, but don't buy too big a toboggan. Too big a toboggan is too big a toboggan to buy a toboggan. To begin to toboggan. Oh, see, I fell at the first turn. You nearly got there, you nearly got there. But still, oh. it's a great voice. And voiceovers are all the rage at the moment, as we know, in lockdown. Um, but listen, so I, I, we normally start on the podcast with the soap stuff, but I thought with you, and because it's everyone's probably still binge watching it as we speak, we'll start with it. So yeah, yeah. I watched three episodes of last night and I still have to say I'm so emotionally um, in a God, what a, what a show. I mean, it, it's incredible. Amazing to be part of that show. Yeah, I mean, it's honestly, I mean, it, it seems such a long time ago since we filmed it because, of course, we filmed it pre-lockdown back in 2019. But, um, yeah, phenomenal. I mean, the reaction has been incredible. Um, and and I, I expected that because it's Russell T. Davis. Uh, exactly. And what a genius. I mean, it's one of those people that everything... If, if no one has list, uh, watched it, which I'm sure everyone has, but I'll just tell everyone. So it's a five-part series set from 1981 to 1991 in London following a group of friends whose lives were turned upside down by HIV and AIDS. Um, you play Pete Burrows. The other cast includes Ollie Alexandra from Years and Years, Keely Hawes, who's one of my favourite people on earth, uh, Neil Patrick Harris and Stephen Fry. Uh, it's going out, obviously, on Channel 4 and HBO in America very soon, uh, or it might be on when this podcast goes on. Uh, and it was originally called Boys, wasn't it, I think? I'm right in saying That's right, yeah. Change, yeah. And I think what I love about it is obviously because Russell wrote Queer as Folk, which we'll talk about as well, because what an astounding program. But that that was almost like a celebration of the gay urban life then. And this this is kind of showing the darkness of kind of the freedom that the boys had in that. 
Um, and I think, I mean, I, I read my friend's message on Facebook the other day saying it's so nice that, that the teens now have something new to kind of, it's like their version of something that they can cling on to locked in their room, you know, if they haven't come out. Did you feel like when you were making it, you were making something really special? Uh, yeah, totally. I mean, as soon as uh, when my agent called and said um, they want to see you for, at the time it was called Boys, uh, and I was like, yeah, of course, and went straight to London and read for a part. Um, but of course, anything with Russell T Davis on, you know, is going to be a massive hit and a massive success. Uh, but particularly with this story, because I think it's really important that that sort of gay history is talked about because, you know, there are, there's a generation of, of young gays today, uh, anyone in the LGBT community that, you know, may not know much about the history of being gay. Uh, and of course, it's it's bringing it to the forefront again, and it's allowing people to discuss it, uh, yeah, which yeah, I think is amazing. I think I was still astounded when I watched it last night because obviously I was a bit too young, you know, when AIDS and HIV came about, but very aware of it. You know, at university, I remember I did a we did a um, a whole film about um, they were called Food Chain, and they delivered meals to people suffering from HIV and AIDS. But yeah, I was astounded when I watched it again, how little was known in the country and how slow the country was to catch up with what was happening. I mean, it, because it was seen as, you know, gay, as we know then, gay history was very different and gays weren't accepted. You know, it's incredible to think that it got allowed to be like it was. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like you just said, I mean, like you, I was very, very, very young. <laughs> we were so young. <laughs> uh, oh, gosh, yes, yeah. Uh, but no, I do remember, because I think um, the, the the CV starts in 1981, and I, I was I was around 10 or 11, I think. But I do remember, I remember the the adverts that going out and I remember the, the Don't Die of Ignorance tagline, the Who Can Forget the Tombstone advert in the 80s. Yes. yes. Um, and of course, although I was so young, the fear was there. And I grew up in a little small Welsh town in Powys, um, in Krakowell. So, of course, that that nothing like that was, was in our town, or we thought. I, re I remember people saying you can catch it from a toilet seat, you can catch it from kissing someone. It was awful because nobody knew about this disease, but a certain community was being targeted, you know? It was, yeah. And I think what's so powerful in the in the programme is just, I mean, they fake them, but funnily enough, there's a Welsh character, obviously, isn't there, coming from that sort yeah. of I'd, I don't want to give away anything, but I'd kind of guess one of the twists about what was going to happen to, to him. And... I just think, I mean, working with that cast, because obviously they're, a lot of them are really young, Ollie Alexander, so yeah. I mean, it must have been very all new to them, I suppose. They must have been learning this whole amazing history as they filmed. Absolutely. I mean, I, luckily for me, I mean, I was with, uh, uh, I was there from day one of the shoot, and it was lovely to be able to gel with the uh, the cast, um, because our first, very first scene we did was when my character was handing out flyers in the pub. Right, yeah. And so it was a really big day. It was everyone's first day on set. And it was it was just lovely to be around them. And also uh, when we were taken off set, so Peter Hall, the director, because they are, they are of a certain age and they're, they're far too young to remember um, back in the 80s. Well, half of them weren't born, I don't think. Yeah, and yeah. Um, so he was talking <laughs> to them about doing, you know, whatever research they were doing. And he was pointing them to, uh, the, I think there was a Horizon documentary on BBC Two at the time which I vaguely remember. Uh, and I was able to throw in a few sort of little anecdotes about growing up in the 80s and remembering all that. So it was really interesting because a lot of these actors, they they were just amazed at the treatment that, you know, gay people suffered during that sort of epidemic. And they were completely shocked because 
all, even though the cast, mo- most of the cast were from the LGBT community, their their sort of their way of life is completely different to what it was back in the eighties. Oh, totally. I think we 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 forget how lucky we are being gay in this era, you know. And it's not yeah. even though it's thirty years ago, it's it still feels not that long ago for things to be so different. Uh, yeah, totally. And so when you, obviously, you play Pete Burroughs, who's an activist who works on the gay switchboard and is trying to educate and raise awareness. Yeah. Um, so when, I mean, it's lucky, I suppose, you filmed it before lockdown because of the, the intimate scene. Yeah. It would have been a nightmare. But uh, did you watch, I mean, you must have watched Queer as Folk when that was out years ago. I did. I mean, and interestingly enough, back back when that came out in 90, uh, I can't remember, 90-something, wasn't it? Um I was actually straight back then. So it was, uh, I watched it for different reasons. Right. So no, to be I, honest, I, I, I was, t- I was as well. I was at university and I was straight and I watched it. Yeah. I was, I watched it thinking, oh, well, it was very shocking at the time because there'd never been yeah. things or anything like that on. Um, yeah. And I do remember just thinking, wow, this is groundbreaking. This is amazing to, 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 because I got educated because that's what you do. You don't, you never, I think we turn a blind eye to things unless they really affect us. So, it, you know, that was kind of really in your face. Yeah. I mean, things actually quite calm compared to Queer as Folk in a way. I mean, yeah, I mean, I remember when the when Queer as Folk came out, fast forward into It's a Sin, and obviously I'm in a different position now. Uh, it was quite liberating watching It's a Sin because um, it, it's, it, and it's hard to compare It's a Sin to Queer as Folk because I think they're two very different stories. Very different, yeah, yeah. Um, but it was it was just really relaxing and, and liberating just watching it. That I was watching it now as a gay man. Um, but it, that, that was really interesting, the two sort of parallels. And I think what's really great now is I've seen messages like people watching it with their kids, you know, uh, probably not the, you know, the, the, the sex scenes, although there's not many, but I like the fact that parents, you know, it's, again, that's totally changed. I'm, I'm sure years ago people were locking, like I said, locking themselves in the rear. It wasn't really something because it was a different, you know, when Queer as Folk was on, there was still yeah. a mindset than there is now. So it's amazing he's been able to kind of cross all those boundaries. But how did it so filming wise because obviously we know soap is filmed all out of order was it the same on that were you kind of was it here there and everywhere those five episodes yeah day one was um i think uh we were filming parts of episode two on day one so it wasn't in chronological order which is what you're used to on set anyway as you know and uh you kind of jumping in and out of different so it's it's difficult sometimes because you've got to ask yourself oh god where, where am i now what am i doing um but they they you know they it, it had a real flow to it and you know it was sort of because we were on a, like a they had a really short shoot i think it was like two months or t- just under oh, three wow, months okay. shoot um and i was in and out because i was booked for five or six days so i'd do a day or so and then i'd go back and join them in like two or three weeks time and so i was in and out and it was just interesting to see how far they'd come uh while i'd been gone away you know and then Ollie, I think, is a revelation, isn't he? I mean, yeah. he's incredible in it. I love when you see someone on the screen that you go, oh, my God, what a revelation to find that person. Yeah, because I, I, do you know what? Because obviously I know Ollie Alexander from from being in that, in the band, but I didn't realise he had quite sort of an acting CV behind him because he had done a few things before It's a Sin. Um, and I was oh, amazed at, yeah, and I mean, I was amazed on set, like how he was so comfortable in front of the camera and... He just took, you know, he was like a natural, like exactly. like he'd been well, doing it all his life. Doing, as we know, doing anything intimate in in front of television cameras is yeah uncomfortable. So to do a part like that, I mean, I think all oh, hats off to him. 
Um, and I was going to ask, because it was set in the 80s, do you know, did they close off streets and stuff? Because obviously the New York stuff was, you know, I was yeah. like, did they film that? Um, I wasn't, because most of my shops were interiors, but Interior, yeah. um, I do believe they closed off a lot of the streets around Manchester. I mean, it was incredible how they turned. I'm not sure if they filmed that section in Manchester or Liverpool, actually, but most of it was Manchester. But to turn a street up, up the north into a, a, a New York street scene was incredible. Ah, uh, right. Oh, so they filmed the New York stuff in Manchester. So, wow. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, amazing. Yeah. Wow, Most brilliant. of it was Manchester. I think even on the ferry scenes, that was uh, across the Mersey. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. I mean, I, filming in London, as we know, or yeah, New York. I, yeah. I was really thinking, God, they must have spent an absolute fortune. But so how did you how did you come across? Because obviously, we'll get to Hollyoaks. You'd left Hollyoaks. How did that dream role kind of come about? Had you worked with Russell or knew Russell or? Um, I kind of knew Russell from afar. So we, we were... Um, we were well i think i was on his radar through hollyoaks uh but i'd been in torchwood years and years ago i was in season three oh, okay. um, i'm not sure if he was running the show at that point because he, he started the show off but um i got like anyone else my agent called got got an audition um and then I got offered the part of Pete. So I, I messaged us and I said, oh, my God, I've just been offered this role in, in, in Boys at the time. And I said, I'm just so excited and amazed. Thank you so much if, if you made that happen. And he was thrilled because he said, I've been dying. I was dying to tell you. But obviously I couldn't because we had to wait for contracts to go through and all that. But um, yeah, but we, we sort of we speak quite a bit on Instagram and uh, he, he's really lovely. Like, I feel like I've known him for years. Yeah, well, everyone, I know Jonathan Harvey, the writer, says he's one of the nicest writers. He's always praising other people's work and stuff. Oh, he does. And he's so kind and he's, he's just so gracious and, and he's so supportive. Like, he really does get the best out of everyone. And he was really, he there on he, set a lot? Did he come to set a lot? He was, yeah. I mean, yeah. the times I was up there, um, he was really hands-on. Like, he was always watching on the monitors. He wasn't there all the time, but he'd come in and maybe give a few notes. Or he, And also, he'd boost morale a bit, so he was trying to, you know, make everything, you know, because um, obviously they're playing five really close friends, so it was getting that sort of, hit it, pitching that right and not making it too sort of friendly, but believable, you know? And yeah, he was just giving great advice and i think that's great because as we know from soap and there would be no way the writers come on set i think it's a real difference when writers you know we yeah. all like everyone knows friends the writers are always there making changes and stuff but i think when it's someone's baby it makes such a difference doesn't it to have i mean it, probably saying that as a director it's also a nightmare probably because you're <laughs> it's another person <laughs> to argue with um but i mean someone like him obviously might god to do anything but um and then what I kind of found quite funny in the film is obviously Keely Hawes plays the mum of, uh, of Ollie and there's a huge discussion just about the fact he wants to be an actor, which, yeah. which I always love when things are like that. There's actors acting out these things about not wanting to be an actor. So, I mean, for you, was it something that was discussed in Wales? You know, because obviously that probably wasn't the acting hub of the, you know, the world when you were younger. Was it a decision you made early that you wanted to act? Yeah, I mean, I always, I knew from an early age I wanted to be an actor. I mean, God, as far as, going like early primary school. I, I, I just love performing. I love being involved in the school plays. And, um, and when, of course, when I went to high school and where I went to high school, it was a really small Welsh uh, rural town. And uh, the drama class was a very small, I think there was about six of us in drama because no one ever took drama. Right. Um, and, it, and it wasn't a career that you could follow because I, I remember sitting down with a careers advisor. Oh, have a look at this. This is a drama teacher. 
and they were always trying to push you into something else. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. But I didn't go to drama school till I was 21, so I worked a lot, so I, I got a bit of life experience first. Um, but coming from a very rural town, it wasn't a career path that you were pushed into. And when, so what did you, when you eventually went to drama school, was that down in London? Yeah, yeah. So I auditioned for a couple of schools, not many. Because um, I was, it was also difficult as well, because I didn't have much confidence uh, in my sort of late teens, early 20s. And I found it really hard to muster the courage to, to do it. Um, and when I got into a drama school, I mean, literally, and this is why I think drama is amazing for schools. It's amazing for kids is my confidence just shot through the roof because I was in a new city. I was living on my own. I was training with strangers and it was just incredible. I think there's a big thing about, I think a lot of actors, I used to act a lot when I was younger as well. I think a lot of actors are in real life. They're actually quite placid and quite quiet normally. Yeah. No, I completely agree with that because I went to, I went to London as this small little country Welsh boy uh, and I came back to Wales, uh, you know, I was this city slicker, I was outspoken. And, and honestly, that and drama did that, you know, just, and being around people, you know, at the time of my life. So, right, while we're still on It's a Sin, I'm just going to give you a little game. So it's whether these things you say, you think are a sin, okay? So eating leftover curry for breakfast from a takeaway. That is not a sin. That's not a sin. Yes, good answer. That's the right answer. I always do that. Um, okay, so um, going all the way on a first date. Definitely not a sin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I quite like, actually, a couple of... I like in It's a Sin. He's really managed yeah. to, over those five friends, you get the whole remit of people. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of you, yeah. do, you get everyone. Um, okay, so sweet and salty popcorn mixed together. Uh, I wouldn't say that's a sin because that that's what I, I like that. Yeah, no, I like that as well. Uh, an M people concert. M people concert. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm going to say that's not a sin because I do love a bit of M people. Good. Yeah. See, this is just a test basically if we're going to be friends. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, obviously, I'm just, I'm just filthy then. <laughs> <laughs> And then um, winning sexiest male or female at the Soap Awards. Oh, it's up there with not a sin. I would. Yeah, that's number one. I don't. Okay. I'd take that. See, I would. See, I think that's a bit of a. I think the awards a bit of a sin, just because I think it takes us back a bit, and I do think there's something highly embarrassing about people who've won sexiest. Bit. You know, like I, I know Michelle Keegan, obviously from Korean. It used to yeah make her you know, filled with dread the idea that she was going to win again. Because it's one of those awards you go up and it's like, what do you say, really? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because I noticed they've stopped doing those categories now. And I I actually quite love them. Maybe, you know, maybe I'm just But it used to uh, always be. I remember someone from Hollyoaks won one year and did a proper big speech. It was quite embarrassing, like thanking his mum and dad and stuff. And it was like, oh, my God. Ah! I know. Take it really seriously. But I suppose, you know, yeah. I suppose you do. I mean, I am gutted I didn't get best bitch. But, hey, you can't have everything. So that takes us neatly to Hollyoaks, which obviously, let's <laughs> very smooth this. So you were famous in Hollyoaks, obviously, for playing Buster Smith between January 2018 and January 2019, returning last year in September. Yeah. And it is a really serious note. You played a predatory paedophile who, was, who groomed young boys. Uh, you were coaching, you were a football coach. So obviously a really heavy <laughs> story because it's you were a character basically to go in with a purpose, you know, which is great. Yeah. 
you weren't involved in too much of the you know peripheral other stuff so did you know that, that what the story was going to entail when you took the job no uh well at audition stage no they they gave me very little information so it was really difficult because you didn't know how to go in there and approach it right, yeah. uh it wasn't until my first day when i started um brian the exec producer we had this massive big table meeting with um the writers um the producers uh and they gave me the full story arc of buster and the family tree of where I was going to be placed and exactly what I'd be doing. So it wasn't until that day did I realize wow. he was going to be this groomer. And I just jumped at it. I, I absolutely loved it. I mean, it's an awful thing to portray, but as great an actor, thing of, yeah. yeah, but as an actor to jump into something like that and be able to tell that story, uh, I just thought it was a massive challenge. I loved it. And I mean, did it ever kind of, because obviously we know that people take, especially soap really to heart. I mean, did, did part of you worry about the reaction? Because obviously everyone, um, you know, does, do, does kind of almost take the person to be a bit, I find with people that play bad characters, like, oh, well, they can't be smoked without fire. Nina Wadia said, yeah. that. people were like, well, you must be a bit like her. So, I mean, was it, did that occur to you? Do you know what I mean, that how your public reception, perception could be and what you'd have to cope with? Um, I probably had some reservations. I mean, generally, I mean, I mean, either I'm just weird, but I, I was, I didn't even think much about what the reaction would be because I was just, my main goal was to go in there and tell a story and tell it as truthfully and honestly as I could. Um, I think, uh, uh, during when I first started, I'd come home on the weekends and everyone was saying, are you not worried about the reaction? Are you not worried about social media? And I didn't even think about that. But then um, I think as it was developing, of course, I was getting a bit of trolling on um, Instagram and I was getting weird messages, but they they just want a reaction from you. So I didn't really partake yeah. in any of that. But yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, probably a little bit of me was a bit like, oh, what am I getting myself into? But Generally, I just, I just, I just ran with it. I just thought, I let's just so do it, and see where it goes. What's so brilliant about Hollyoaks doing it is obviously it's aimed at a much younger audience. So I think the yeah. storylines, it's great. It's important to get them, as we know, with all the heavy storylines in every soap, it really is take home for people, and especially in Hollyoaks to deal with. But I, I guess it must be really. I mean, I've directed Hollyoaks as well, but didn't do anything too heavy on it. But I guess it was really hard for all of you involved as well because it obviously goes out at six thirty, which is way before the watershed. So to do something like that is quite hard, I suppose, in what you can insinuate and what you can show. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought they did a fantastic job because it's not an easy slot to get in this sort of no. controversial um, stuff. But what, what I thought they did brilliantly, particularly for that storyline, I mean, if you've got families at half past six discussing um, grooming, um, that, that sort of abuse then that's a good thing that those dialogues are taking place in people's living rooms up and down the country. Yeah, no, incredible. I think that's the thing. And it was actually, I think I'll be right in saying it was inspired by the ex-footballer Steve uh, Waters. He appeared on yep. the Derbyshire show where he revealed basically that him and then a lot of other people came out that he was went through this and was groomed and that kind of um, instigated Hollyoaks to do it. I mean, how did, how was it working with obviously the guy who played Ollie? You know, was it, did you build up a kind of, I mean, I just, just, it must be a weird scenario to go into. I mean, obviously we know it's, it's acting, but I mean, did you feel quite protective of him? Because obviously being younger and produced and doing a storyline like that is quite heavy going as well. Yeah. I mean, uh, Aidan, uh, who played Ollie, I mean, he was at my screen test and I didn't know at the time 
that he was playing that part. Um, so we we kind of bounced really nicely off each other. So it wasn't until I got on set and I realised he was actually playing that character that that, that was phenomenal. And he's and he was a brilliant little actor. He's, yeah, he's fantastic. He was, yeah, yeah. But of course, we, we let's not forget at the time we were doing that, he was seventeen, I think. He was about to turn eighteen. So that was really young to take on that. Uh, but what he did do, I mean, he came to it with such a mature. Uh, understanding and he really handled it so delicately professionally uh, and, and we got on so well like we literally we we had a great time together I mean it was sometimes thinking about the there was very few scenes where we got physical because obviously yeah. because of the time and his age I had there was one scene I had to massage his legs I was a bit like all right okay and um yeah because we could only do below the knee yeah, yeah. And, and again, it's still quite an uncomfortable thing to do as an actor, isn't it, anyway? I mean, I suppose if you have that relationship, it's really good as well, because I think that finding that... I know uh, the actress who's just been doing the domestic abuse storyline in Corey was like, thank God we got yeah. on, because, you know, you can... Thank God, you can, unlike the poor people that go through this, you can leave it at work, at least. Yeah. Uh, because it can really, I, I have, you know, mentally affect you, I should think, doing a storyline like that as well. I mean, bless him. He did. He used to come up to me some between takes sometimes. He'd be like, "Are you okay with that? Are you okay with that?" And I think, never mind me being okay. Are you okay with this? Yeah, yeah. Uh, this, this old queen rubbing your legs like on set. You're like, <laughs> <laughs> are you okay with that? Because, but he was so, honestly he was so grown up about it. It was great. Well, and I'm sure you'll agree. Hollyoaks is great. I mean, it's such a nice family atmosphere again there. I mean, how is it for you going in? Because obviously. You're, you're really old to be in Hollyoaks. <laughs> and I, know, I felt yeah. really old directing there. I mean, how was it working within a company that's full of youngsters? I mean, did you find it different than any all, all the other jobs you've done? Yeah, I mean, I'd never, ever worked uh, like that before. But I can only sort of liken it to starting school. And b- because the cast is huge, I think there's maybe 60, 70 in the cast. It, it's quite a big cast. And... Um, I remember turning up and it's almost like, you know, when you're in school and you're just trying to find your home within a group and because yeah. you can't get to know everyone on a show like that because A, you don't always work together with everybody uh, and you kind of stay in the scenes that you do with your sort of TV family, you kind of stick with them. Um, but it was difficult getting around everybody, but the the youngsters, I mean, Honestly, like, I mean, I was, you know, I'm in my 40s and, and they made me feel really young because my, my sense of humour is a bit wild and, and you know, <laughs> saucy. And uh, they used to, we used to have so much fun. They were wicked. Um, and also, I mean, there was the older, sort of more experienced Hollyoaks actors that I grew up watching, um, like, you know, actually Taylor oh, Dawson, yeah. Sarah, Sarah Jane, who plays Mandy. Who bizarrely and, are like the mum and dads there, aren't they? I mean, they're kind oh, of... Like the, on other soaps, you know, you've got the Liz Essenstein and, you know, Duncan Preston, whatever, and they've almost taken that role because they've been there the longest. Uh, it's bizarre that people, they're only like late 20s. I mean, yeah, I mean, because this season, pros on that show because they've been doing it for so long. But, and, you know, like Gary Lucy, like he's 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 been in it for a long time and who I get on really well with. But I, I, I just really love getting to know all those guys because I think when you grow up watching people, because I watched all those for years, uh, it just felt really special that I was doing something alongside them as well. Does that yeah, make no, sense? I totally get that. I think I think listeners to this will probably think, oh, if you're an actor or director, you get used to meeting not just famous people, but you know, I'm the same. If you if you're working with people that you really respected, not just because they're famous, but yeah, you know, like Gary was involved in obviously that that really heavy gay uh, the male rape storyline years ago. But yeah, yeah. And then you get to work with them. I remember working with Lacey Turner for the first time and being 
nervous because you're like, I'm so in awe of what you do. And then she was so nervous working with a new direction. Oh my God, how funny. I'm no one. So yeah, I think that never goes away now, Job, does it? Whenever you join a new and it's like a first day at school again, isn't it? I remember I had, uh, it was the first time I'd done a scene with Gary and Sarah. um, And it was our first sort of, we were in their flat and there was the three of us doing a scene. I think Ollie was involved in it. And I was terrified because obviously (laughs) I felt like I'd known these these actors for years because of having watched them. And I was like, oh my, this is just like surreal because I'm now stood on a set talking to them. Um, And we did get very friendly. and uh, yeah, it was just it was just an, a weird experience. And then what was it like? It must have been amazing because obviously, you know, you were you weren't in the show a long, long time, and then you obviously win a soap award for the year you were in there. I mean, that must have been incredible. I never in my wildest dreams did I ever expect to walk away with not not only a nomination but also an award. I mean, that was just that was just silly, you know. I, who am I like? But it was an absolute honour to walk away with that because I just felt the storyline had actually felt like it had an impact on everyone. Uh, and it just made me think, oh, we did the job well. And people, um, they acknowledged it. And we just, we did, we did a service to the people watching it and telling their story because th- ultimately think, that's what we were doing. Yeah. And I think when you win an award, um, at the Save Awards as well, you feel like you've almost done it for the show as well. Don't you? It's kind of a very un selfish thing. The awards at the Save Awards, I think you feel like you're winning on behalf of everyone. I think when you win there, yeah, because and I remember that particular year, 2019, it was a it was a pretty good year for Hollyoaks because I think they walked away with four awards that year and the coveted best soap. So um oh, great I one think, to be at, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it was a, a vintage year that year for them because and I think it was well deserved because you know they do they do throw out some really good groundbreaking storylines, I think, for half past six. And it was just nice that they got the recognition they deserved that year. Well, I think in the competition is good for all of them because it keeps them all on their toes. I mean, I, I remember my first awards, it is the most bizarre night, isn't it? Because I think I'd work I was working on Emma Jan, I hadn't worked on any of the others. And you kind of arrive and you see like June Brown and you know the Corey cast. I remember making the speech and just looking out going, oh my it's like everyone I've watched on television for years. Oh it's, totally it's so scary, isn't it? And you well, I remember, kind of feel like I don't belong here. I remember my first my first soap awards was 2018. That was the first because I've only been to the two, obviously, but 2018, and I literally I took, I hadn't been on screen that long. Uh, but I obviously we all had to go. And I remember because it was in London that year, and we went to um oh, we went to some big town hall. I think it was in Lambeth. We went to some um town hall for the after party. Right. And uh, I just remember walking around and like just people that I'd seen on TV for years and years. And I, and I'd had a couple of sherries, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, well, and, everyone uh, has, yeah. I was just like waving at people and having a little chat with them while we were queuing at the bar and like, you know, asking, oh, how are you? Did you have a good night? It was mental, absolutely mental. It was mental. Did you stay, did they still stay in that, uh, the big corner hotel in Kensington? Uh, I think remember? Uh, the, the first, well, the hotel I stayed in was uh, the W. Oh, okay. Oh, they must. Oh, right. In Shepherd's Rush. Yeah, okay. We used to all uh, in the hotel. Plush. And the whole hotel used to be overtaken. Obviously, the press used to all be baying outside, waiting for someone to come out and be sick or to come and snog yeah. someone. Shouldn't be from that <laughs> hope, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Memorable <laughs> years, those soap awards. I mean, oh my God. Um, so so then you went back last year as well. What, what kind of yeah. how did that come about? 
Just out of the blue, really, because when I obviously when we did the court, the trial week, I thought that well, that's me done now. He's gone to prison. Uh, I never expected to be asked back like months later because I think yeah, it was almost not a year had passed. I think, uh, and then my agent called me and said, um, "Hollyoaks, they want you back for two episodes." And I was like, "Oh, great!" I had no idea what they were revisiting. Uh, as it turned out, Brody was having flashbacks, so he wanted to come and visit me in prison. I thought it was quite nice to revisit it, sort of, you know, for two episodes. Um, I, I, honestly, I, I was just blown away that they wanted me to go back. That's amazing. It shows the power of your character and how good you were. But, um, okay, so what was your, uh, who do you think at Hollywood was your favourite character? My favourite character? Yeah, not actor. Um, I mean, who's okay. been... Well, I, I've got to say, I had a little soft spot for Marnie. The, oh, yeah. the the great the great Lisette Anthony um, Marnie's character. I mean, she she used to crack me up because just some of the things she used to say, and she was so posh. And and of course, when they put Buster and Marnie together, they were like chalk and cheese, and it was great. Amazing, yeah. I know that's what's great as well, especially Brian Kirkwood is amazing at bringing in those yeah. TV faces from the past as well who you want to work with. I was there when Gillian. Jillian Telford came in oh, um, lovely, yeah. and I hadn't worked with EastEnders at that oh no I had but she I obviously then worked with her in EastEnders but yeah incredible you're kind of like, oh my god and that felt really surreal because Gillian was Kathy Bill do you know what I mean so it's like what's she doing in Hollyoaks this is really weird oh uh, she 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 chatted to me at the um after I'd won the award there was a we went to a party somewhere in Manchester because it was in Manchester that year and uh, she was at the after party for the Hollyoaks crew and um we chat I, I mean it was a, just a very small chat but she was so lovely like she was like oh well done oh brilliant well done uh, oh, i was just I, it, it made my night that did i know yeah um so right so th that's hollyoaks which is amazing so just a few things about you to end with so what i loved reading was you had a job interview once at buckingham palace to work for the queen yeah i did what was that, that was for that was so funny. Okay, so I grew up in a pub in, in, in Wales uh, and I was bored. I wanted the big bright lights of London, paved with gold. And I just had to get out of where I lived. It was just so boring. And um, because I had catering experience, I was just applying for every job. There was a magazine used to be called, might still be around, called The Hotel and Caterer. Right. There was a job, there was a job in the back, um, Buckingham Palace. The original wow. job I went for was Footman to the Queen. Wow. Oh, my God. I mean, go straight in there. So I applied for it and they said, oh, they asked me to, so the letter came with the, the royal crest on and we opened it. My dad was so excited and I, I went to London. So I went dressed in top man finest and um, uh, and I turned up and they gave me a tour of the palace and where I'd be staying. Where were you going to be staying? Well, originally I would have been in the... Um, uh, I would have been in Buckingham Palace uh, in the kitchen, sort of where all the catering staff live. That would have been amazing. I mean, can you imagine where do you live, Buckingham Palace? I know, right? And they said you can have people stay, but they've got to be security checked and all that. And um, they said, oh, sometimes you might have to go to Balmoral, you might have to go on the Royal Yacht for oh my part of the year. God. I was like, oh, well, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> I love they advertise that in a magazine. <laughs> and also imagine you have someone back and they have to be security checked. I mean, that would play havoc with your love life in London. I know, fun. yeah. Can you imagine Buster Smith in Buckingham Palace? Who'd have thought? That's amazing. That's incredible. What would, and then the, the other thing I love about you is you present a radio show with another TV legend, Carol Vorderman oh, in Wales. Oh, Dame Vorders. Dame Vorderman. <laughs> she's incredible. How did that come about? I mean, you're a man of well, many bows to every arrow. 
well, pure accident and fluke that was. So uh, I went into, I was asked to go in just after I'd won the award and uh, they said, oh, will you come in and have a chat? It's their first Saturday show. I was like, yeah, great. So I went in, we had a little chat about the award and soaps and all this. And then I got dragged into a question of the day because she does this question of the day every week. And uh, I think she asked me what uh, it was, what weird gadgets have you got in your house? And um, I said, I was in love at the moment at the time. I had this mop that just, it was this amazing uh, mop used to press up and down. And it was just, it was just incredible. I was, <laughs> that, that's how exciting my life is in Cardiff. I, I'm sort of dribbling over a mop. But Doug, and I we would... got, just wait, before you continue, we, I got a <laughs> steam mop last week. So yeah. my mum bought me a steam mop and I was literally over the moon. So I've cleaned I know it's crazy, isn't it? I know. The older you get, these gadgets you fall in you love with. You said to me 10 years ago, you'll be excited. <laughs> I would have killed myself. But yeah, uh, so go on. Sorry. So yeah. You... Yeah. So we were just, we were chatting about this and we were just having a bit of banter and we were just making fun of each other. Anyway, I left and um, on the way home, the producer phoned me and said, oh, thanks for coming in. Great interview. Uh, I've got a lot, little proposition for you. Would you be interested in co-hosting with Carol for a couple of shows? And I was like, what? <laughs> and uh, I said, look, yeah, sure. I said, well, I'm an actor, but I said, never presented. But I said, sure, I'm, I'm sure I can give it a go. And uh, they booked me for about three shows, and um, nearly two years later, I'm still there chewing her ear off on a Saturday and having loads of giggles. That's amazing. So, Dane Vorderman asked for you. You are you are the Holly and Phil of Wales radio. Oh, I tell you what, we are. <laughs> <laughs> the radio is great. I think it's like this podcast because you can look like death, but you can still pretend that you're full of the I know. life. It's amazing, isn't it? I love uh, it. I love it for that. So we're going to end with, you've done so much other stuff. You've done loads of other shows. And I thought I'd end with quizzing you whether you can remember who you played in these shows. Okay. Uh, now, normally everyone gets it wrong because most actors kind of remember, you know, it's like you learn a page of scripts and once you've done it, it goes. So yeah. you were in Casualty as? Oh, Chris Albright. Yes. Oh, well done. Uh, Doctors? Oh, uh, Mark Illingworth. Yeah. Oh, you're good at this. Oh, my God. Emmerdale. At PC Colin Brown. Yeah, oh my God, you're very good. <laughs> I think I might have been there at that point. I'm not sure whether I could have actually really? you. I remember PC Brown. What stories was PC Brown involved in? Well, uh, PC Brown, my first time there playing that role, it was with, oh, I can't remember the character's name now. The, her little boy went missing. Oh, what was her name? Alicia? Oh, yeah, with Jacob. Yeah, Nat and Yeah. He went missing and I was going in, I went in to question them on his whereabouts. And then the second time I was in there was, uh, you know, is it Chrissy from um, Home Farm? Oh, yes. Yeah. She'd been arrested for something. Yeah. See, and that was my time. I wonder whether we actually crossed paths because oh, I remember the PC's name. I know. Um, but uh, amazing. So, well, listen, it's yeah. been so good to talk to you. Um, oh, thanks. About Hollyoaks and It's a Sin. I mean, both, both great shows and uh, lovely to meet you. And friends for life now, Nathan. Oh, definitely. So thank you very much. And obviously enjoy the rest of lockdown. And uh, I'm sh let's hope our paths will cross in the future. I'm sure they will. Thanks so much, mate. Bye. Thank you so much to Nathan Sussex for being one of my final guests on Soap in the Box season two. I can't quite believe it. I'd like to put a massive thank you out there to all of my guests from Soap and from TV who've come on the podcast, given up their time and taken a trip down memory lane with me. It's been incredible. And I know you've enjoyed it and it's amazing to get your feedback. Please keep in contact with me still on social media at Soap from the Box on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. 
I'm planning series three as we speak, and you can still catch up with me on the A to Z of Soap on Great British Radio every Saturday at three o'clock. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you to David Stevens and the Boffy and Ian McCallum for all of their help on the series. Have fun, stay safe, and I'll see you very soon. (laughs) 